0: Today, can God be trusted? This is a very intense and personal question. Can you trust God with your life, the life of the people you love, and the world you live in? It's not a theoretical thing. I can tell you from Scripture and from the experience of believers of Jesus uh, since the church began throughout the centuries, the answer is yes, God can be trusted, but you have to answer it for yourself. I did, at age 16. I said, yes, God can be trusted. I'm going to commit my life to God the Father through trusting in what Jesus, his son, did for me in his death and resurrection. And so I started trusting God as I started walking through life. And I discovered something. And you may have discovered the same thing, that my my trust in Jesus was tested, not just once, but over and over and over again. And I also discovered something about staying faithful to Jesus when I was tested. It didn't mean that he shielded me from hardship and difficulty and adversity. What it meant was he got me through it. I always made it to the other side. So I've got my story about God's faithfulness, and you actually have your own stories too. Our trust in God is tested by all kinds of circumstances in life. My trust in God was tested in high school when my cousin committed suicide. My trust in God was tested in my 30s when I was diagnosed with a major episode of depression. My faith in God was trusted uh, about seven years ago when my father died a difficult, painful death. My faith in God has been trusted for terror and I at various points in our marriage and our stress is high. I mean, that just happens, Right. My trust in God was tested when we received news that our daughter had contracted a postpartum blood clotting disorder that was probably going to take her life. God got us through all those things, but they were tests. That's just part of my story. You all have your own story, right? Many different parts. And Daniel had his story about how his trust in God was tested, and we're going to talk about the final story in Daniel today about that. But before we do that, let's just read the scripture today, our serious scripture about this uh, command scripture gives us to trust the Lord. Read with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Trust, not in yourself, but in the Lord. Seek not what you think is best, but seek what God knows is best, and then The path for your life begins to take a good shape. Will God be faithful? This is the question for today. It's a great way to wrap up uh, the question for the book of Daniel. Because it's this simple. This is how we work, you and I. We can and will trust someone who is faithful to us, we cannot and will not trust someone who is not faithful to us. It's that simple. It's that simple. So now, again, a little adjustment about what it means God being faithful to you and to me. It doesn't mean we're always protected from every irritation, struggle, hardship, or even from suffering. But God being faithful to us does mean that he brings us through, we get to the other side, we made it, we learned, and we're thankful. That's how God's faithfulness works. God's faithfulness is not like Santa giving us everything on our list. God's faithfulness is more like a trail guide that walks with us on the path of life and the trail gets tough, this trail guide shows us how to make it through. That's God's faithful. And today the final story on Daniel will look about God's faithful and starts off with Daniel proving himself to be faithful. Daniel chapter 6. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. And because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. So Daniel's proving himself by his faithfulness. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, Our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So Daniel's faithful, competent, honest administrator. He rises to the top, and the other officials are jealous. And they want to take him down. And how do you do that? Well, it's simple. Anybody who rises to power, they have dirt in their lives, just find the dirt on Daniel, and we can take him down. Problem, there's no dirt on Daniel. There isn't. No corruption. No use of power for personal gain. Just wise, faithful Leadership. So they realize the only way we can get it, Daniel, if there is a way, is somehow he will only worship his God. He won't worship anybody else or anything else. That's going to be the way we get him. Now, from now on, as the story unfolds, you'll figure something out. God rewards people who are faithful to him, and we'll begin to see how this plays out for Daniel. But before we get to the good part, the trap is set. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement, all these guys who are jealous of Daniel, we administrators, high officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, Your Majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed. An official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius, signed the law. It's a perfect trap. The people in Babylonia won't care. They worship and pray to any numbers of gods and goddesses. They'll just switch and pray to the king for 30 days, then they'll switch back. They don't care. But the other administrators know Daniel. They know Daniel can't. They know Daniel will only pray to his God who says he is the true God. They know Daniel can't pray to an earthly king. He'll only pray to the heavenly king. And to top it off, this king signed the law in a way that it cannot be revoked. It just, it's there. So what's Daniel going to do? Well, Daniel stays faithful to God. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home, And knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. Daniel doesn't change his habit. Three times a day, he's got a prayer room upstairs. He opens the windows toward Jerusalem, his home city, the place of the Lord's temple, and he prays, thanking God. He had other options. He could have kept praying, but done an absolute privacy where no one could have found out. Or he could have just not prayed for 30 days. Or he could have pretended to pray for the king, to the king for 30 days. But Daniel couldn't. He knew the true God. He served the true God. The true God had rewarded him. Daniel is going to stay faithful no matter what the consequences. And so the jealous officials find exactly what they want. There's Daniel. Praying, not to the king, but to his God. So the trap is sprung. The officials went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It is an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, That man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He, prays, he still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So the trap is spung on Daniel and the king. Daniel's headed for the lion's den. He's doomed. And the king, who has highest respect for Daniel, can't change the law. The king now realizes he's a fool. Daniel's doomed, has no hope. The king is a fool and can't save his good friend. Now, you and I are probably not going to be thrown into a lion's den. But in a manner of speaking, there are times in our life when it feels that we have. The trap is sprung and we're caught. And that is when we have the opportunity to find out what God will do. King can't help his friend. Daniel can't do anything. And we expect things to end badly. But faithful Daniel experiences God's faithfulness. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you serve, so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me. For I have have been found innocent in your sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed, and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. This is the king's question. Can God, Daniel, can your God who you serve so faithfully save you or not? Had to wait the whole night to find out in the morning. And Daniel says, yes, God has rescued me. So this message, very clear. Daniel's faithful to God. God is faithful to Daniel. You are faithful to God. God will be faithful to you. God is faithful. And he can actually make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way to make it forward. One day, Christian recording artist, Don Moen, received horrible news. His brother, his sister-in-law, and their four boys, traveling in a car on, vi- by, uh, on vacation by car, had been hit by a semi. Parents were okay, but, but the, the location where the semi hit the vehicle, they were in, All four boys were thrown from the vehicle. Three had serious injuries, and the fourth son died instantly at the scene. Tragedy. Unbelievable grief and shock. And Don was just at a loss for words. What do I say to my brother? What do I say to my sister-in-law? I I don't know. So he's on an airplane flying out to attend the funeral of the one son who died. And he's asking God for something to say to the family because he doesn't know. And he's reading the Bible, prophet Isaiah chapter 43, gets to verse 18 and 19. God says, but forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm going to, about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. And he's going to visit a family that is stranded in the wilderness of grief. God says, I'm going to make a pathway through. So Don wrote a song. Become pretty famous called God Will Make a Way. And the first verse, very simple. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. God made a way for Daniel through the lion's den. King couldn't foresee it. Daniel wasn't really expecting it, but God made this way through it. So God will make a way for you. He will make a way for your family. God will make a way where there seems to be no way because he works in ways we can't understand. In fact, the greatest test of our trust in God is when we cannot see a way forward. And that's when we trust God and wait to see how he will make a way. And God makes way for Daniel so that it impresses the king and the king honors the true God. This is a king who had grown up worshiping all kinds of gods and goddesses. This is an amazing statement. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of King Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. King Darius finally wakes up. Can't worship myself. Can't worship these other gods and goddesses. There's only one God worth worshiping. It's Daniel's God. He rescues. He saves. Now, next steps. We've talked about this before, but it's big in the book of Daniel. It's important for us today in our culture. Pledge your highest allegiance to Jesus Christ. He has your highest allegiance. So Daniel serves in the kingdom of Babylon. He serves the king and the kingdom well. With all his gifts and abilities, he's rewarded by the king. He has a good life. But when Daniel was asked to take his highest allegiance away from God and give it to the king, he said, no. I cannot do that. Throughout throughout the history of the Christian church, there have been many times when believers have been asked, take your highest allegiance from Jesus and switch it and give it to the nation instead. Happened to New Testament Christians often. They were hauled in a local uh, police station, so to speak, and said, "Uh, you need to worship Caesar as God or we're going to throw you in jail or you lose your job or you're going to lose your life. This is how you do it. And believers would say, no, Caesar's not God. I can't do it. Seemed to be no way out of this for early Christians, right? Well, instead of the church dying out as believers were harassed and persecuted and some lost their lives, God made an interesting way so the church of Jesus Christ actually grew and spread throughout the entire Roman Empire. So, of course, Rome as a kingdom fell. It faded. It doesn't exist anymore. But guess what's still around? The church of Jesus Christ. God made a way for his family to grow and to prosper. So Daniel's situation is different. He's living in exile in a foreign land. He's under the authority of a powerful king. We live in our homeland. We live in a democracy. We get a vote. We get to have a say in how things happen. But our highest allegiance goes only to Jesus. And we serve Jesus by serving our nation and our community. But he's got our highest allegiance. And we don't build an earthly kingdom We invite people in the kingdom of God where they're welcome to God's family and the kingdom begins now, but the real part of the kingdom is after this life is over. The world has a way of using power and force uh, to make people think or act in a certain way. It always fails. We trust God's power of his Holy Spirit to work in other people's lives what he's done for us. Heal the broken, set people free from the past, Enable them to live for God's design. We don't play the game the way the world does. We're not trying to get ahead or build an earthly kingdom. We follow Jesus. We worship God. We serve our community. We serve our nation. And then encourage others with stories of God's faithfulness. Your ability to trust God is increased when you hear the story of someone else saying, this is what God did for me. This is how God brought me through. So that's why we tell the story of Jesus' death and resurrection. God the Son uh, gave his life over to the Father's plan, which meant a death for the sins of the world. The Son trusted the Father, and the Father is faithful to the Son, raises him up in resurrection. The story of God can be trusted. Jesus sets the example. Even through death, God can be trusted. You have some stories of how God has been faithful to you when there was no way. It's happened to you. And you need to share those stories with your family and your friends because that's how our trust in God becomes stronger when the test comes. And prayer for this week, short and simple, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we want to be like Daniel, staying faithful to you and honoring you by serving our community. Thank you that we do not have to fear the lions. Amen.